This is the DLR Cast, the essential podcast for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the DLR Cast, your one and only one of a kind, 100% all natural, caffeinated, artisanal, all American podcast made by and for fans of Diamond David Lee Roth. As always, I'm Steve, along with my cohort in all things Dave here, Di- Diamond, Dangerous, Darren Paltrowitz. What's happening? Good morning, Darren. That What's was going an impressive, on? impressive intro. Kudos to you <laughs> on putting in the prep work. You, you've done about 800% more prep work than me per usual. So thank you, Steve. Well, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> we're in the time zone thing where for me, it's good afternoon and it's good morning for you due to the time difference. But thank you for making the time. No, thank you. And and if my enthusiasm is readily apparent here, it's because we've had a lot of activity in the world of Dave, more podcast episodes. There's been so much activity in the month of January, which is a great start to the year. And of course, we'll talk about the last podcast episode of which I vaguely remember, which is speaks more to me than I guess maybe the content. Mm-hmm. However, what really got me excited was three or four days ago on Dave's channel was the full length cover of a great cover with a really cool video we'll talk yeah. about Mustang Sally. Let's get into it. Let's I hate to use the hackneyed phrase deep dive, yeah. but it's music, it's tunes, it's not a Van Halen cover. Yeah. Well, Mustang Sally, I don't know if we played a role in this. You know, it sounds egotistical. It does, but I was thinking the same that. way, same thing. <laughs> but our episode with Mark Elmer, where I we were asking about if there were any leftovers from the No Holds Barbecued sessions that he edited. And he said, I, you know, I swear I edited to no <laughs> to, to Mustang Sally, but I, I can swear I did it. And we were going, yeah, wouldn't it be great to hear that? The question is, did they remember that was there all along, or did somebody go, hey, Dave, did you do that in-house? Well, it's interesting, and I was I was real curious. I thought about that. I thought about maybe whatever your investigatory prowess brought up. One, the fact that, I mean, this comes out about a week after our great mysterious friend at the Mojo Dojo put out, a, after I was begging for it, I think. Uh, yes. It, what, not that I have anything to do with it, but I so wanted to hear forever, thanks to No Holds Barbecue, Dave's cover of the great ELO pop song, Shine a Little Love, which is an awesome effing cover. And you can hear bits and pieces at No Holds Barbecue. Now, refresh my memory, and we'll get back to No Holds Barbecue and the what we saw in the video, but was this song, any of this song in No Holds Barbecue? I can't remember. Must think I don't think so. No, it's not. Right. And, and, but, and here's where my my obsessive nature goes the fan base had something to do with this because in the mustang sally music video it's clips from all this stuff that dave owns and or doesn't own because there's stuff in there that he could actually get a youtube, a YouTube dinging for a that, strike right but there's no holds barbecue footage in that uh, music video for Mustang Sally. So it is fresh on somebody's mind, even though it came out in the early 2000s and is basically out of print. Right. A couple things, what was really interesting, well, a couple things, that were, a lot of it is really interesting. One, I'm curious to know who was on this, when it was recorded, and which so far we don't know. And we know it's been around for a while, so it's yeah. not a fresh, it's not a fresh recording. 
when you look at the video, the video's got tons of stuff, a lot of stuff from Japan, a lot of stuff that had been previ- in previous Roth show episodes and footage yeah. from the No Holds Barbecued. So it's not, it doesn't look like there's any real new video footage. All of that looked, for the most part, looked pretty familiar to me. There's footage from 50 Rides on the Love Train, the, yes. the, YouTube, uh, the YouTube videos that are up there of him doing 50 different versions of the OJ's love yeah, train, which I love. That's favorite for sure. Yeah. We've talked about that. You, <laughs> it is, man. 50 Sorry. Rides of the Love Train is me to Sunrisa Savahe, I would argue. <laughs> yes. there's it, it is a instant mood enhancer for me. Let's put it that way. Now, the other thing is, as far as I know, this was only released on YouTube. I didn't find it on Spotify. I didn't find it on yeah. iTunes, which is, I'm curious, and maybe that has something to do with, with rights, and the fact that that none of this has got dinged yet after what uh, thirty over thirty thousand views in just in just days, nothing's been dinged. There's no notes really, except for just the links to Dave's social media pages and the notes on the video. We got a great song, a cool video filled with older footage. Well, within the, if I, I can, think if I can cut in, there's like two seconds of a clip. Of, I forget the name, but it's a vaudeville or Chitlin Circuit era dance troupe that Dave was talking about when he was on the Joe Rogan podcast. Yes. There's two seconds of that clip in there, and it doesn't have Dave in there. So that's a representation of 2021 or 2022 Dave, even though it doesn't show Dave. It's gone, hey, Rogan podcast. So that was the most recent thing that I saw in there. So it's not all 2000s because when I say that there's stuff that he doesn't own, it shows him doing the split at the beginning of the Yankee Rose video. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. I remember I would, that might kind of did a double take there. And so then there's some B-roll. It looked like it wasn't the wasn't the just like Paradise video. It looks like it was B-roll from the skyscraper photo shoot. Or behind the scenes video. That one I don't know. Ramses Rios, uh, Mojo Dojo, he would know in two seconds and go, You idiots, you you should know <laughs> it's from the Japanese TV special from 88. <laughs> but right. Well, him reaching way back, you know, the video of him scrambling around the rocks from from that remind you know, that's that looked like well, there's footage just like that from the same shoot for the Just yeah. Like Paradise video. And going all the way back to the the big kick off the off the riser from Yankee Rose. I mean, he really whoever put this together, I'm assuming David's a big hand in doing in doing it. His editing folks, he had to approve it. I mean, they really reached back into into the Dave solo video vault, so to speak. So so this is my big question or takeaway besides hey that was cool i hope dave does more of this because that's a pleasure to watch and listen to because i like the track okay my big takeaway slash question slash mystery from this whole thing is clearly they know where all the tapes are and everything is cataloged and archived like we think it is so whoever's the editor who's ever working on that end knows everything they have access to everything Mm -hmm. Yet the distribution arm of everything, it doesn't go up wide on things. We've talked about unclaimed funds, how that's a mess. We've talked about how disorganized certain parts of his camp are, yet the video editing part of it, whoever's doing that is an A++. So it's like, how is there so much inconsistency in the brand where this works like clockwork and then this part is a mess? 
It's it's exactly. It's very odd. You just reminded me. Like I think if I this week and I thought about this, uh, Kiss's Monster album just went up on yeah. Spotify for the uh, and I'm assuming everywhere else. It never been up there before, right? They I, own all the right. I assume and sorry to cut you off. I would assume like how a different kind of truth came off digital. And my assumption is, oh, it was a ten year license. I'm gonna guess right. Monster was like a ten year license to Walmart. Uh, that's probably right. Something like yeah. that. But that reminded me here. That reminded me that the DLR band album. It's inconceivable to me, and excuse me, that that album is not on. That's not anywhere. And Dave owns all those rights. There's no right. He that's his man. What was that record? There's what is the weird paperwork, red tape hold up for that never going anywhere? Because I refuse to believe somebody went. Oh shit. Digital music's been around now for how, since 2002. We never put our 1998 album up. God damn it. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, that's even more convoluted to really, really sidebar. So it says on spot, it says on Amazon or whatever, copyright, what was that records? And okay. He re-trademarked what was that records or what was that in the past couple of years? But he dissolved the what was that corporation like 15 to 20 years ago. So in other words, he kept the trademark for the name, but not the business entity for the label. Well, so maybe. Well, that, what's interesting, <laughs> if you think about that, I'm just again, God, we go down some serious rabbit holes. Right. <laughs> so that corporation was created probably for the sole purpose. And there's tax benefits and legal benefits to put yeah. out that record. Right. And then I think was the Diamond Dave record, the covers album. The covers plus one because it had a song that wasn't a cover. The right. the John Five track. Pop, yeah. I think that was on on what was that record? Then I don't go, believe so. I believe in the U.S. that was on Castle oh, I Music. Think, yes, you're right. Yes, in, sorry. Uh, Demolition Records, and I think in Japan it was on like a Columbia or Sony major label. Okay, so you form what was that records for the sole purpose of putting out something? Yeah. And for tax and legal reasons, you form a corporation for it, right? There's, and then you don't need any more because you're back in Van Halen, and that's your full time. That's that's as far as musically, that is your gig, right? But, so maybe you just dissolve it. Maybe there's a reason for doing that uh, legally. I don't know why you wouldn't keep it going, but maybe but this paperwork the that expires. The trademark. You keep the trademark. If you want to turn it on again, you got the trademark, right? No, but meaning he sees value in what was that? And he's right. going to pay a couple of thousands of dollars for the trademark, the attorney fees, keep it up, and then, you know, not pay f to keep the DLR band album up. Right. <laughs> There's just weird prioritization that kind of feeds into everything that he does is classy, A++, first class, amazing, or for lack of a better term, what was that? To a lesser extent and to a much bigger extent with Van Halen, and we've brought this up before, but Dave too, to a smaller extent, there's a lot of money left on the table. Yes. I'm not saying you're going to get a ton of royals for DLR band, but there, but you'll get regular streams in there. I guarantee you that. The fan, fans are looking for that. Anybody who's even a passing fan goes to Spotify or somewhere and goes, I never saw this on here before. And the hardcore fans, everybody knows that record. If you're yeah. a Dave fan, you know that record because it's a great effing record. Yeah. 
I mean, all it takes is one uh, tweet or one post from John Five to say, man, I'm thrilled this record is on Spotify. Boom. Yeah. Easy money. It's mailbox money. So you have John Five, who is now in Motley Crue. So he's poised to be the highest profile he's ever been in his career. You have the drummer Ray Luzier, who's been in Corn for 15 to 20 years. Right. Uh, who's a proper member of Corn, not a hired gun, but a right. real member of Corn. So you're now at this point where you can go, the the classic album from Dave featuring members of Motley Crue and Corn. Like, <laughs> use that use that kind of logic right there. So yeah. that is just it's such a head scratcher. And Ramses Rios, who I mentioned before, he showed me something that I didn't know existed. He bought off of eBay, somebody had some DLR band era lighters that I think they might have been promo swag. Yeah, promo swag. It like beautiful looking Zippo esque lighters that had the DLR logo on them. Is that swag that you ever saw? Because I didn't. Never saw it. Never. I never even saw a poster in a record store for that album. And the interesting <laughs> thing is, I, I seriously, and I can remember, I, I bought in a record store. Um, I remember being thrilled to hear it on the radio on the on the hard rock channel here in Minneapolis. I was like, and I had no idea it was coming out. I don't think there was much right. advanced press on it. All of a sudden it's like got a new track from Dave. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a bum rush kind of release. And if if my research is correct, Warner, although he left Warner after your filthy little mouth, Warner would have taken the the Dave album and supposedly he did have major label interest to do it and just went, nah, I'll do it myself. Well, you know what? I mean, maybe financially, maybe it just, if he, he, at that point, I'm sure he couldn't command a good, a really big advance for an album. And then you're, then you're giving up your, then you're giving up your masters to the album. So you put it out yourself. I mean, at that time, so many folks were just starting to get into that. Why not? Why not Dave? I mean, as a result, now the album is this buried uh, asterisk of an album that doesn't wind up on every discography because it's omitted. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, so maybe he made more in the first five years on it. But it's if you were not a diehard kind of fan like us, you would probably be in the camp of, well, what happened to Dave after A Little Ain't Enough? You know, mm -hmm. what, what happened between 91 in 2007 when he rejoined Van Halen because there's just not this footprint that solidifies it the way that other artists try and go, well, I'm an entrepreneur just because they put out an indie album or two. Right. Well, when you think of it at that time, after the, your filthy little mouth tour, then the, those are the EMT EMT years, right? No. Uh, or the, do I get that mixed up? Was it before your filthy little mouth? I keep thinking mid to late nine, mid to late, well, no, he was doing he was doing shows at the end of the nineties, yeah. but there was when, when was he in EMT for the most part? Early two thousands, and that's or or at least that's what Linda said, and that's what his well, New York state license said. the The Dave uh, Deep Throat person said that it overlapped with the failed Van Halen reunion of ninety six. If that was the case, then he did it without a license, which I don't think is possible. See, I always had late 90s in my head because the, if you call it the New York era, I mean, yeah. I found my old, believe it or not, I forgot I even had this thing, but there was, I have a Your Filthy Little Mouth tour program. Wow. Yeah. Which I didn't I know found that existed. On, me either. I don't even remember buying the thing. I mean, I didn't see the show. 
Yeah. Um, I bought on eBay ages ago. I found it buried behind a bookshelf. I was just like, oh my God, I thought I sold what I forgot about this thing. And there's a lot about living in New York and being in New York and the attitude and the sweat, you know, and how, what, and cause that was when the New York album really it was Nile yeah. Rogers. What was he recorded at right track or something like that. Yeah. Um, and then he toured on that. We know he went overseas for a little bit cause we had Ron Wixo on. Uh, there's there's footage of some shows. It was mostly clubs, uh, with mostly clubs that the U.S. tour went on. There's a there's a decent show up there, or most of the show, if I recall, from Pittsburgh. Yes. Um, it's I call it the New York and the and New York and the more the mature look era. Dave, you had the short <laughs> hair. You wore the black vest and the white shirt. Yeah, pretty much all time on state. You know, there was no spandex, no long hair. I mean, it was and and the all the the I remember the interviews at that time, the videos and and the photos from the album and then the tour program are all kind of that look. And so I after that, I always feel I always think it's OK, well, that was the EMT. You're still in New York. Yeah. And then remember, 2002 was a Sam and Dave tour that summer. Yes. Well, I'm still trying to unpack information about the Your Filthy Little Mouth tour because the general narrative is that he did a bunch of club shows and that was that. Like I found out I live on Long Beach, Long Island, New York. We have a venue that's basically a seafood restaurant that has a stage. But U2's first U.S. tour they played here in the 80s. It was this big deal club called Malibu. And I've looked at tour writing and Dave apparently played in the next town over for me in Malibu. And that was wow. also an early spot for Nine Inch Nails and Mighty Mighty Boston's. Police, a lot of big artists played at this club on their way up. And I guess Dave on the way down played there. But I, one of my obsessions of the moment is the downfall of stuttering John Melendez from Howard Stern and Jay Leno. And there's a lot of podcasts about his downfall. And before you feel bad for him, he's just, he's not the nicest guy. I'll just put it to you that way. Based on direct interactions that I may have had, no comment. But... <laughs> In looking around, because I wanted to interview John for my book, John had a major label deal with Atlantic in the mid-90s. And I was Googling around because I was supposed to interview John for my David Lee Roth book because John was on the Howard Stern show. Roth's appearances on Stern were kind of legendary. So I figured, oh, yeah. Oh, he, he was around for this stuff. So I Googled a thing like stuttering John David Lee Roth, seeing does anything come up? And I found a 94 gig. That was Roth, Cheap Trick, and Stuttering John. What? Yes. It, I found photos of it on Instagram. Fuck? Yeah. Like, so I don't think now 1994 was kind of a bad era for Cheap Trick commercially. They were on Warner Brothers with. Yeah, the, uh, woke, yeah, the woke, woke Up with a Monster album came out, produced by Ted Templeman. It's a yeah. great album. By the time the record came out, the Warner regime that signed them got blown out. Um, that was, I, that was when I always after a fallow period, just, just where they, you could tell they were bored on stage in the early nineties. And I think there may have been some alcohol issues. Yes. A member or two, which I allegedly, well, (laughs) yeah. I mean, when, when somebody, when you overhear somebody backstage showing a, a a certain medallion you get. Yeah. Uh, and, and that person's (laughs) playing and singing like I had never heard before. Um, in previous years so anyway but 94 i mean cheap trick was on fire those are some of the best shows i ever saw in 94 if you're telling me i'm just gonna have to 
take a deep breath and put my head between my legs in the crash position. If I, if the fact that they played together, that's my dream. Throw a kiss on that bill. I'm done. <laughs> so what I'm getting at is if it was David Lee Roth, cheap trick and stuttering John at one of the peaks of Howard Stern, that has to be an amphitheater show or a radio festival thing. It's got to be a radio festival thing. I mean, at that time in 94, none of them are going to he- headline with, without some sort of special event around it. They're not going to, yeah. neither of those guys, because I mean, I saw Cheap Trick on that tour at First Avenue, the Club First Avenue here in Minneapolis, because yeah. I had just moved here in 90, I moved here in, Jesus, 94. Yeah. And I can, I was just thinking back when your Filthy Little Mouth came out, I remember where exactly where I was when I popped the cassette in my car and heard She's My Machine uh, kick in. And I was living in Albany, New York, and I know I would have seen that tour had I'm pretty sure he never hit at least the Albany area. I would have seen it. I don't know if he ever got to say the chance at Poughkeepsie. You know, the routing on the Northeast. Yes. I mean, did he play Toad's Place? I don't <laughs> I don't know. Right. I mean, he didn't play Saratoga Winners, which was the big hard rock club up there at the time. So, yeah, the, the first leg of the tour, you know, you do you look at your Kiss and your Motley Crue thing. It basically is, goes, you know, New York, Philly, Boston, right? Got DC, and then the next one will be, uh, hmm. Well, let's see, what's fifteen miles outside of all these places? So it's technically a different market. Okay, Long Island, right? Hartford, <laughs> State College, PA. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Worcester. Albany. Yeah, Worcester. Yeah, exactly. Springfield. And then, Maybe the Springfield Civic Center if you're lying a little bit lower, right? I mean, you know the drill. Providence. The third leg. Okay, let's see. We already did New York City and we did Long Island. Okay, third. Camden, New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> the third. The third one. Uh, what would be a pe- Allentown, Pennsylvania? Yes. Yes, this reminds me of old WWF commercials when I was a, when I was a kid listening to WR Channel Nine. Wrestling returns to the Camden VFW. You know, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, using that as a proper example, if you look at the the Harlem Globetrotters or WWF from the eighties and nineties, when they had two or three touring companies at the same time, and it was right. where the third tier one was going to play. You know, which boardwalk can they find in rural New Jersey? that has a VFW hall or or something like that. So, so, you know, going back. A bigger, a a bigger, uh, a bigger, you know, division two college, you know, small college uh, uh, gymnasium, a little bit less in the arena. (laughs) So I don't think that we know the full story on Dave's touring from your filthy little mouth and the DLR band album. And I say that further from the DLR band album, because a billion times I've mentioned the MTV Finland concert on this podcast. Yes, which was 90, what? 99? Yeah. So we see that amazing show that still holds up. And I know he played out east on Long Island at this random club called Canoe Place Inn or CPI. CPI, I remember that because I grew up on Eastern Long Island, sure. Yeah, I know he played there, but it's not clear what was going on, what he was doing. Cause I think we briefly talked about a show you and I off air from 2001. He does this Philly arena radio yes. show maybe for yes. that's incredible, but this stuff isn't really on setlist.fm. So was he doing corporate gigs? Was he doing a bunch of undocumented radio shows? Cause I just don't believe that Dave only did like two gigs and they were in clubs. Yeah, I mean, at that time, were corporate gigs really a big thing in the 90s? Mm, I don't 
recall that that might have been they really came to prominence in 2000 but radio gigs certainly through the 90s were i'm not saying corporate gigs couldn't have happened private gigs but they were way under the radar if you if you if they were happening on a regular basis but radio gigs man it was it was i mean they just they wanted 45 minutes on a yeah. on a on a bill right a jingle ball sort of thing a christmas or a summer slam whatever the hell they i mean so, rock stations were doing this stuff all the time yeah whatever picnic pun that you can come up electric picnic uh yeah the interesting thing though at the time i mean a lot of those were always filled with major label folks because it's like okay if you take this band i'll give you this band if you can put the you know we'll give you this band for you know can this be in uh you know yeah. top 20 rotation for the next two months right i mean there was always that that trade and wheel and dealing sort of thing and a lot of times i mean there was no there was no guarantee it was it was that the band was getting it was just part of kind of the promotional efforts yeah and dave um I have this thing where I think that Dave was state of the art, always pushing the ball absolutely forward until like, say, a little ain't enough, 91, 92. You know, the fact that he'd record an album in Spanish, the fact that he'd have a website putting out exclusive music. He was state of the art until a certain point. It, it's almost like that cool substitute teacher who ultimately stops learning and they don't realize that they're dated after a while. So Dave would in 97, 98 still would have been super about like, how do I get radio programmers on board? Okay. I'll do these radio festival things. He would have done but, that. But, but I'll tell you part of the game, but, but he's also smart enough to know. I mean, it was a, it was a real, I remember a, a little enough came out. And I saw that bill after it came out in Albany, New York, and to barely three-quarter full arena. And they had, I think it was Cinderella and maybe, I forgot who else was on the band. It was a three-act bill when you, Dave did not need a third band. Uh, you I know, think extreme. Skyscraper. I think you're right. It was extreme, yeah. yeah. And But what I'm getting at is that he, he might have wanted to push the ball forward still, but it was a, what, it's a, a Sisyphean effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was It was because at that point... He was ticket sales wise, album sales wise. Uh, the '96 reunion imploded. Yeah, maybe his maybe his his uh, his public eye exposure in the public eye right after '96 was a little bit was bigger after the MTV and 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 yes. the erstwhile Van Halen debacle, the short reunion that wasn't. But still, you're looking at a guy who I mean, you're filthy little mouth for. The, there's no spin there. That record was a dud. It failed. I mean, I think it. I never got higher than like 140 on the billboard chart. I mean, Probably, it was, yeah. It, it, but what I, one thing that I remember reading about was that Howard Stern was annoyed that Dave didn't come on his show in support of your filthy little mouth. I'm pretty sure I'm remembering that correctly. So then when the whole MTV video awards debacle happened before, during and after pretty much Howard Stern was his launch pad for telling right. what really happened. Right. I mean, it made for great radio, right? Yeah. So I think that Dave, now he talks about loving Sirius XM. That's the thing that comes up that he loves outlaw country and rock the right. bells and all the, everything but rock and hard rock is what right. he loves and listens. That's not surprising though, right? Yeah. I mean, whatever your day job is, you kind of do the opposite of it in your I mean, free time. I mean, unless two, year, two years ago, two years ago, EDM was the future and the only kind of music that was pushing the envelope, according to Dave. So, 
But so what I'm getting at is he always believed in the power of radio. So I think that he did a bunch of rock radio festivals, but you can't assume that the whatever the South Dakota uh, one had it on the web and had it super documented. And you can't assume that Peoria's finest had it documented. I right. think that he was in the third tier market rock radio festival circuit. And I want to see if anyone who can still make it this far into the podcast knows if this is true or not. <laughs> but by now, though, I mean, there'd be some photos, there'd be some bad audio or something. I mean, this wasn't well, the dark the ages. The thing is how I found out about this. Right, right. To bring it back to Stutter and John there. Exactly. I was just thinking, too, has Dave been on Howard Stern's at all ever since Howard went to Sirius? He, he as a surprise... When one of Howard's last weeks, he was on the air, and I think that was the last time that he went on Howard Stern. And so, but since he's been on Sirius, he's never been on Stern. Since he's been on Sirius, and he went to Sirius, I'm going to say in 06, 05, somewhere. I, I know exactly, it was 06, yeah. Okay. 05 or 06, yeah, it was not, not past 06. I can remember listening where I was living when, that, when I was listening to the Dave show. I don't believe so. And if I could gather why that is, I would say it's a, it's a Howard choosing allegiances side. In, mm. now, now, Howard and Dave were close. In one of the interviews that he had on, Howard was talking about how Dave's sister, Lisa, was his nutritionist and helped him lose some weight. And the fact that he knew who Dave's sister, Lisa, was says a lot right there. But I remember that Sammy, Sammy's on Howard Stern like every two to three years, especially when there's a new thing to promote. And then also Howard was super hard on Eddie for a, a certain number <laughs> yeah. of years. Yeah. So when Van Halen was doing minimal interviews, it was kind of a, well, why would I go on that show? Um, certainly at one appearance on Howard, 07 time frame would have made so much sense. They weren't doing any. This before we talked about this, it was one Guitar World feature. That was really about it, right? And I think that Dick, however, being Azoff or whoever, that was I'm doing virtually like that. But in the especially Howard's Howard's profile, he doesn't on. But when Davis was on Mark Marin or Joe Rogan, I mean. Or even though that wasn't, or even thing, man, what great! Can you imagine Dave walking in and Howard doing, you know, three, five, five minutes of "You look amazing, you look great, Howard." I mean, just right. I mean, and, and I got to think, is it something that I couldn't remember? I couldn't think of it. He'd been on since Dave did the show, and Howard went serious. Yeah, and clear, and clearly that's not an accident. I don't know why it may be, but. Yeah, I, I'm not sure either, but hey, Mustang Sally's great. <laughs> it dawned on me. I was always curious. It would have seemed to have made perfect sense any time in the last few years, especially with the painting and going on Joe Rogan and Mark Marin, that Dave would be on on Howard. And I wonder what I I would bet you if, if he was asked, Dave probably wouldn't wouldn't say no. And maybe he was just never asked. Since 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 Howard went to satellite, serious. Did you ever see the leaked 
Howard Stern video from maybe 2012 where he gives the missive to the staff about who he wants booked on the show? No. There was a thing that got leaked only two, three years ago of a town hall meeting that he does for his staff. It was never meant to go public, but it's Howard Stern basically telling his staff to create fake Twitter accounts, uh, bother celebrities about how they should come on the Howard Stern show, and that he wants A-list famous guests. That's the first part. And then the second part is he talks about how all these people's careers that he resuscitated because they were nothing until they came back on his show and no one talked about them. And he says a bunch of people like Billy Corgan and you go, what? A Howard Cern appearance saved Billy Corgan's career. So I'm wondering if just Dave is not that A-list star to him and that's where it is. Well, when you look at the interviews, that's a very good point. When you look at the interviews the last couple of years, I mean, the and they uh, fantastic interviews. I mean, Springsteen recently, right? Billy Joel yeah. a couple times. I mean, was McCartney on? I mean, yes. just, you know, look, heck, I got his book and there's no Dave in the book. You know, all the transcribed interviews. Uh, what, what's I forgot the name of the damn book, but came out a year or two, two years Howard ago, Stern I think it was. Comes again, I think. Thank you. Yes. Love that book. And I mean, there's some older interviews in there, but. The newer stuff is all all pretty much a list, right? Yeah, and I in my heart and my mind, Dave is a list based right. on everything he accomplished and his genius. But it's more that Howard Stern was trying to become this nationally accepted broadcaster, and that's why a lot of his diehard fans from the seventies, eighties, nineties, early two thousands kind of turned their back. Because you're saying, why do we want to hear Gwyneth Paltrow on the show? We want to hear Dave. We want to hear, you know, not Enough's Enough, who Howard loved. But we want right. to hear that generation of people who apparently never existed in the Howard Stern universe. Yeah, I mean, certainly he's been he's been really doing a lot. I mean, content-wise, the non-interview stuff, it still can be just as raunchy as ever before, I think, right? But certainly... It's- and and there's still all the craziness, a lot of the craziness and stuff like that. And I know people say he's gone soft. I don't necessarily think so. But the content, but the people he's interviewing, you're right. It's has been, it's been people, bigger A-list stuff who are promoting big things, whether it's a new Springsteen album or or in the in the news for whatever reason, bigger movies and or whatever it might be. So it's kind of interview-wise, it's kind of gone more towards a traditional talk show format as far as guest bookings, do you think? Yes, except now I just remembered shortly after Eddie had passed and it came out that Wolfgang Van Halen had an album. I think his first interview was Howard Stern. So, right. I don't You could say at that moment, that's that's as far as current, that's a list and current. You know what I mean? As far as in the zeitgeist at that moment. But then you have to wonder if the way that Dave's mind works is, oh, you went to Wolfgang and not me. You're dead to me because Hagar has been on a lot of times in the last 10 years on Stern. The last cool Dave appearance I remember on Stern was 2003. There was the 2006 when he was about to take over the show one. But do you ever see the 2003 one where he does the medley of songs in the studio with his band? Yes, that's awesome. That's up there. I've, yeah. I've watched that once or twice a year. And he's coming across as a contemporary artist in that one. Yeah, I agree. Not- 
not as a classic rock artist, as a contemporary cool with it artist. And I don't know if he'd come across that way if he did the show now. If he did the show now, Howard would just want to talk about the 80s and how much they partied in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, I would imagine if, well, it's it's so funny. I mean, as we know, I mean, when you think of the things that weren't talked about when he was on Rogan two years ago, right? And you and I talked about this. It's just like, um, you know, a lot of the very same similar stories, but had he wanted to do Howard around the time, the paintings, I mean, he wasn't selling anything. There was nothing on auction, although painting just went up on auction, yeah, as, yeah. as you reminded me. But at that time, there was no, I mean, I would bet the CBS morning thing and the New York Times thing, um, you know, clearly they asked for that, I would think. You and I discussed that as well. That was a publicist yeah. reaching out. Are you guys interested in this? It's definitely different. And, but outside of that, there was no big press junket around that stuff because there was nothing, it was it was really a story about a, a passionate hobby of a guy who's got a lot of passionate hobbies. And then meanwhile, Paul Stanley, who's been doing tons of interviews to prevent, uh, promote his art shows. He just put out the thing that says I've made tens of millions of dollars on sales of my paintings lately. And it's great. And it's wonderful. Now, right. Paul Stanley has a very different public persona than Dave does, even though they're cut from the same cloth. But, you go, hey, Dave, you're kind of missing out here. You have all these paintings. You have people who want them. You have these art galleries that specialize in rock star painting showings. And what you have to show for it is some Instagram posts and two charity auctions. I'm not saying he needs the money, but. Again, more op opportunity left on the table, right? Yes. So if I look at Dave's output, and this is a rant I've had before. If you look at his output from the last 10 years, and you look at the digital comic, okay, 99% of the fan base does not know that that happened, even though that's on the latest podcast episode. The podcast, which most of the fan base does not know there. The Van Halen covers, which some of the fan base doesn't know is there. The John Five and other recent singles, a lot of the fan base doesn't know it's there, etc. He's, do he's doing all this stuff, but due to mismanagement, the average person doesn't know he did all this stuff. They love Dave. They love Van Halen. They just don't know how busy and productive he's been. Yeah. Speaking of the digital comment, that's a good segue into the other piece of activity. And that was a, uh, was it a fourth or fifth episode of the Roth show that popped about seven, eight days ago, a week ago from when we're recording this. And a big portion of it, most of it was all about the, I'm not sure if it was the digital comic he did. It was a portion of that, or was he alluding to there's going to be another version, another edition of this? It really got deep in the weeds with some voiceover yes. stuff. I had a tough time following it, to be fair. <laughs> I will total me a culpa here, culpa there. I mean, I, it's um, it was not as easy as it was not as easy to follow as the story about Lupe in Honduras or whatever the hell that was. Do you know what I mean? It was like, okay, wait a minute. Okay. Now we're pivoting to this. Is this a new one coming out? Is this going on? And Dave's thought that paper is going away and all these other, uh, Buckminster Fuller kind of, uh, future, Futurama, futuristic. Yeah. Pr uh, predictions. So I'm not, I mean, for a part of me was like, was this in the can? Is this around the launch of that? But to it sounded like he was talking about another one coming out or doing something. It sounded like that, but I think he's one and done on, on that comic and that so few people within the fan base saw this thing 
that it's it's new to them. <laughs> right. All he has to do is change the copyright line and go copyright 2023. What was that? And it's new. <laughs> I, I I don't say that out of disrespect. I just go. All he needs to do is have a publicist that can do their job and go put out a missive. I'm writing it for them right now because now we know they listen to the show. Okay. You think? Uh, headline line of the press release. David Lee, David Lee Roth continues busy career as an artist, painter, designer, and entrepreneur. Okay, there's the headline. And then it's going to talk <laughs> about how he's put out five podcasts in the last five weeks on the heels of his fifth single in the last six months on the heels of his digital comic and his new charity auction. Uh, there you go. Five, six sentences. Go to davidleeroth.com and instagram.com slash davidleeroth for more info. He doesn't have to do any press. He just has to put that out. Right. Thank you. There you go. Free of charge. You know, it reminds me too, when there's no show notes for any of the podcast episodes, which drives me nuts. No. Uh, being, being a hardcore regular podcast listener, besides a podcast broadcaster, I mean, show notes are so goddamn helpful, man. You have an idea, right? You, yeah. you listen to podcasts. We do a podcast. We try to make the show notes kind of informative, if not funny. It gives you an idea of what the hell we're talking about if you want to spend any of your valuable time listening to the podcast. Absolutely. So the other thing that I find disappointing about all this is you have a guy who's a designer, painter, artist guy. And when's the last time you put out a T-shirt? Oh, <laughs> limited are you, original artwork on a T-shirt. Come on. Yeah. What, why doesn't he have any merchandise or swag? Because the, Eddie's team always has the Frankenstein stuff going out. There's a new T-shirt every couple of years that you can buy a Van Halen news desk. Where, where's yeah. the deep merch? Yeah. How about some Zippo lighters? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to pay 60 bucks for it, but it was, it right. was very cool. Right. So, yeah, it's it's just it's that to echo myself, that thing where you have such an amazing job done by his video team based on the Mustang Sally part. Tom and the audio engineering is great. And then there's nothing to help with the distribution or organization behind it. So this Mustang Sally thing, which we don't think is on Spotify, shouldn't that be heard more than Ashley Abernathy? That <laughs> oh, is on Spotify. <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. Well, Tom and anyone else who might be listening, that might be two, three, four, six degrees separation from Days Camp, but we can make a request. I personally, yes, please, I would love to hear Baker Street, the cover yeah. from that. But ahead of all that, I, my plea is to a couple is to release the rest of the songs with John Five, yeah, and do a podcast episode about him, yeah, maybe just one podcast episode, and also, and here's something would be really cool: shoot a text over to John Five, <laughs> call him, whatever you do, and say. Hey, this is coming out next week. Feel free to talk about it. That's it. Uh, I think the give him the blessing title, to talk about it. Our episode should be called the wish list. The wish list. 
Well, we uh, got something. We got Mustang Sally, which I absolutely love. He sounds great. The band sounds great. It is a fun song. I drove my fiance nuts already. She's like, you're going to listen to that again? I'm like, yes, I am. Yeah, I would like to hear that. And I think that from those sessions, there were a lot of other covers recorded. Melissa Elmer kind of confirmed that a bit because she remember playing violin. Uh, no, no. Why did I say Melissa El- Elmer? Melissa Elena Reiner. Yes, there we go. Yes. Yeah, she confirmed that too, that he was just recording covers like crazy. So that the Diamond Dave album was only some of it. So if we can also put it on, on the wish list, more covers from that era, because his voice sounds fantastic on Mustang Sally. Absolutely. And you'll hear a, if you haven't heard it, go to YouTube and you'll hear about 30 to 40 seconds of it at the tail end of this episode. Yeah. So, uh, Dave, here are your homework assignments from the DL. <laughs> We're always here to help. Yeah. The, y- your team is collecting salaries or retainers. Make them work for it. Yeah. For, uh, for Dave, I will work free. You don't have to start up. What was that? And turn out any pay, uh, paychecks. You don't have to put me on retainer. I'm not an LLC. I do this out of the goodness and love in my heart for you, Dave. Now, Dave, this is this is the one way we will know whether or not you and your team are listening to the show. In your next podcast episode, use the word codfish. If you say the word codfish, <laughs> Come on, anything, we'll take it as a sign and we'll be nice and we'll know. It's the one request. Codfish. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't yeah. know how we I don't know how we I don't know how we top that at this point. Yeah. Well, thanks to anyone who made it this far into the show. And hopefully we keep getting activity from Dave's camp in the near future, regardless of where it goes. But last but certainly not least, because we had a hell of a lot of fun. If you get a chance, head on over to and the podcast will rock podcast because we did a cool episode with the folks from the Bogus Otis podcast. And we uh, we what, how would you say it? We we took some, I hate to say deep dive, but we we dove into some Van Halen and Dave, David Lee Roth songs, had a hell of a lot of fun doing it. Sorry, we, Van Halen songs with Sammy and Dave. Sorry. We spoke with some fine Canadian gentlemen who sidebar as much as we do. There we go. It was it was so much fun. And it was live at the time, which was really fun. But it was it was a blast. And it re discovered for me, God, I hate to even say this because I, I don't want to say I forgot. It had been a long time since I listened to the title track to 5150. God damn, that song just, that was as adventurous as any Van Halen song they did at that point up until like a different kind of truth. I mean, that seriously, they're going to go overboard without a life raft again about that track. And of course we also talk about jump, which I never, ever will ever get tired of. Amen to that. Well, thanks again for anyone who braved this much blithering. (laughs) (laughs) And again, hope to have more Dave for you in the near future. And Dave, remember, codfish. There we go.